There was, a, uh, there was a joke or two about, uh, uh, in fact, I think it was shared from right here a couple weeks ago about whether I would ride in on a donkey today. Uh, I just want to put those rumors to rest. I obviously did not ride in on a, uh, on a donkey, really for two reasons. One, uh, I am in no way Jesus, and w- we should just know that. And, uh, and second, um, I also know what happened five days later to the one who rode in on a donkey. You know, I did a comedy class while I was gone with Steve Martin. I thought that joke would land a little better. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray. God of grace and wisdom. In these moments today, as we explore your word, widen our vision to see what you see. Open our minds to better understand your way and your teaching. And Lord, expand our hearts to grasp and share the fullness of your love and grace. Amen. Of a curiosity, how many of you love a good parade? Anybody here love a, love a good parade? Whenever I think of parade, what immediately pops into my head is 76 trombones led the big parade, 110 cornets close at hand. Anybody, anybody know that song from the Music Man? It's like whenever I think of a parade, my mom's voice singing that song just, just pops in. I don't think either one of us know any more than those two lines. But So what about you? What, what stories and memories do parades bring up for you? Maybe like me, you, you grew up watching the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade. I know for many it's a, a tradition. I remember watching the parade and, and just waiting for Santa to, to come at the end of the parade. Maybe, uh, maybe for you, anyone here have a tradition of watching the Rose Bowl parade on, on New Year's Day? My, uh, my aunt had an opportunity one year to, uh, to go. She's a florist. She had an opportunity to go and be part of one of the float building projects. And I've always thought that would just be be such a cool way to be part of the parade and then, then watch the Rose Bowl parade. I'm just going to guess, uh, I'm willing to bet some of you have stories of marching in a parade. Anybody here in marching band? Marching band people? Oh yeah, definitely some marching band people. Any, uh, anybody ever been on a float? Anybody ridden on a float in a parade? A few of those. Uh, anybody been a king or a queen of a parade? Queens, queens and kings of the parade? Uh, how about this? Anybody ever been in one of those marching chair groups where they carry the chairs and they like dance with the, they do routines with the chairs? Anybody, anybody been in those kinds of groups? Just curious. I love those. It's like one of the fun things about, uh, about parades. All this talk of parades. So the, the question is, when Palm Sunday comes to mind for you, what do you think of? What do you think of when you, th- what images come to mind when you think of Palm Sunday? I'm just going to hazard a guess that for a lot of us, for a lot of us, it's a parade. And when we think of Palm Sunday, we think of Jesus and, and riding the donkey and the, and the disciples coming behind and the people lining the roadway, coming down the Mount of Olives. That's our, our, often our picture of Palm Sunday, of this story we're going to explore today. But it struck me that if we're going to reenact this parade, if we're going to think about what this parade is and and what it tells us about following Jesus, we ought to understand what kind of parade it is. We might want to stop and consider on this holy day leading into this this holy week, just what kind of parade is this Palm Sunday parade? Because there are different kinds of parades. For example, 
right? They're, they're, there's like the community parade, right? They don't all have the crowds of the, of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or the, or the Rolls Bowl, but, but these community par- parades, they, they share some other things in common, right? They often celebrate a, a holiday or a, or a time of gathering, a festival or a, or a homecoming, some of you may remember these kinds of parades in your community when you were, when you were growing up. They often have bands and, and floats, and dignitaries will often ride into the parade on, on cars or pickup trucks or, or even, even horses. And then, of course, the one thing that you know, makes these parades really great is, is candy, Right, the people throwing uh, throwing candy is uh, is right because people come and they bring their kids, and it's about community. It's about it's about coming together for fun and, and joy. And then there's another kind of parade that uh, it's I refer to these as like the pop up parade. It's not a parade that's necessarily it's not been planned for a for a year. It, it gets scheduled quickly for a for a special occasion. It calls people together to celebrate something happening. Cubs fans, you are welcome. Some of you may recognize this picture. Baseball season is starting. I could have used a Cardinals pop-up parade, but I chose a Cubs uh, pop-up parade for you. Right? Pop-up parades are, are this time for joy and, and hope. Crowds come to these parades because they want to be part of what's happening. Right? People show up often in droves because they want to be a part of this celebration of this good thing happening. And then there are also military parades. Right? Now, military parades can be about patriotism and, and honor. I mean, that's certainly a part of them. But, but most military parades also, they carry a statement of power and a demand for allegiance. This is actually a, a military parade in, in China. Military parades will often say to those in attendance, right, to those who see these images of power, it says, look how strong we are. Give us your loyalty and, and we will protect you. Or give us your loyalty or, or else. So different kinds of parades, we, we can now start to think. So let's think about the Palm Sunday parade with Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever stopped to think more deeply. Like what, what, what made this parade? What, what might we learn from this parade? Now, some of you probably know well the, the story of Palm Sunday. Did, did you know that it is in all four Gospels? It's one of only a handful of stories that appear in all four Gospels, which tells us it was important. It was important to the, to the early church, to, to all of them, to share this story, to share what happened. And it was important for them to help others know it as they sought to, to follow Jesus, what it meant to, to learn what it meant to follow him. Now, the tellings in the four Gospels, they, they vary slightly. They include some different details of that day that are important. Over the last several weeks at Clay Church, um, through the season of Lent, we have been reading from the Gospel of John. And so we'll do that one more time this week as we, as we read the Palm Sunday in John's account. Here's what John writes. It says, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, it's the festival of Passover, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! 
And then John says, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. John goes on to write, Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So John tells us that Jesus enters Jerusalem at the, at the time of the, the great festival, Passover, right? A time of celebration, a time of the community coming together. So in a, a sense, this Palm Sunday parade that we remember, it's a, it's a community parade, it's a parade that's bringing people together, seeking community and, and connection. John also tells us that crowds of people heard that Jesus was coming and they go out to meet him. Now, the order here is actually slightly different than the other, uh, than the other Gospels. John doesn't mention, like some of the other Gospels do, that Jesus had had planned how to get the donkey and go in. John's gospel is actually a little bit different. Jesus was just entering the city, and, and right, it's a pop-up parade. People are suddenly just coming to see him enter. And John says, at this point, he then finds a donkey and rides in. Right, it, it's this pop-up parade. We get the sense from John's gospel that Jesus maybe didn't even, didn't even expect all of these crowds and yet all these people come because they want to be a part of something. Right? They show up for Jesus. Because they want to be a part of, of what's growing out of this movement, this, this love and this grace that they're hearing about, this, this healing ability, these miracles that are happening. They want to be a part of that. And then John's gospel says something interesting that we kind of glance over. It says that when the people began waving palm branches, right? They began waving their, their palm fronds. Everybody get a palm frond this morning? They began waving their palm fronds. Right? It says when that happened, then Jesus found a young donkey and sat down on it to continue his entrance into the city. Now, at the time of the Passover, I maybe have, have talked about this before. At the time of the, of the Passover, the Roman ruler of the area, the Roman representative, Pontius Pilate in the, in the time of Jesus, would come into the city of Jerusalem in a big military parade, right? There'd be chariots and, and horses and armed troops, as many as they could muster to march into the city. And the meaning of this parade at the time of the Passover was intended to be pretty clear. We are letting you our Jewish friends, our, our Jewish subjects, we're letting you have this celebration, right? But do not protest or challenge 
the might of the empire while you were gathered here. And the people would know that if they did, if they stood for insurrection, if they began to protest, they would be hunted down and more than likely crucified. Jesus comes into the city from the opposite side that the Roman legions would have come in to the city. He comes in from the opposite side with no armed forces, just the disciples following him, no horses, no grandness to this parade. And then when the people begin to shout royal greetings to him and wave their palm fronds, he finds a donkey to sit on. Now, what makes this unique is John's gospel is actually the only one to mention palm fronds. The others talk about laying down cloaks. The others talk about branches. But John is the one who specifically mentions palms. And the palm, the palm frond at the time, it was a symbol of peace. It was also a, a, a symbol of victory. And it had a specific meaning to those Jewish people who were waving the palm frond on that day, a particular context that we should know. About 200 years or so before Jesus and the, and the, the domination of Judea and Jerusalem, that, that area, by the Roman Empire, the, uh, the Jewish people revolted. Again, about 200 years before Jesus, the Jewish people revolted against what was then Greek control. And for a, a while, they gained their independence. These stories are, uh, are captured in books that you usually don't find in our Protestant Bibles. In fact, I guess, I think they're NIVs in our pews. If you pulled that out, you wouldn't find it. But in, in some Catholic Bibles and, and Orthodox Bibles, you find what's called the Apocrypha. It's, this, it's these intertestamental books and we can learn more about that as we go. But what's important to know is that they capture some of the things that happened essentially between the end of the Old, Old Testament stories and the time of, of Jesus. And there are two books called Maccabees, 1st Maccabees and 2nd Maccabees. And in these books, they chronicle this, this uprising and the cleansing of the temple. They threw out all the, all the pagan gods that had been brought into the, into the temple, and they were able to freely worship their God again. And then in 2 Maccabees chapter 10, after all that happens, it says this, Therefore, carrying ivy-wreathed wands and beautiful branches and also fronds of palm, they offered hymns of thanksgiving to him who had given success to the purifying of his own temple. For these Jewish people, these palm fronds began, became a, a sign of the successful uprising, of military victory, of the power that they had, that they had obtained. It became a sign of, of the ability to overthrow the empire and to cleanse the temple. Does that sound familiar at all as we think about Jesus and the, and the cleansing of the temple? The palm branch would later be put on, on coins of the empire to remind them, to remind them of this independence in the short time that they ruled. So this crowd, right, that is coming to Jesus as they wave palm fronds, this is what they know. That this Jesus is coming 
And we again believe that the empire can be overthrown. They are hoping that Jesus will lead a military victory. So what do they think when Jesus sits on a donkey and rides in? In this moment, this parade with Jesus, it couldn't be more different than a military parade. Or, or maybe I should say, and at the same time, it couldn't be more different than what those people waving palm branches were expecting. On one side of town, the empire rode in with steeds and might and power and demanded allegiance. And on the other side of town, Jesus and his followers came in, Jesus humbly riding on a donkey and invited others to follow him. Today, today we shout and we sing songs, but maybe we should pause and, and not forget what it means to be a part of this Palm Sunday parade. Right, today we, we wave palms hoping for peace and deliverance, yet maybe we should, too should ask as we see Jesus on a donkey, are we ready to follow where Jesus leads? Or are we like the people there waving palms that day, kind of hoping Jesus will be who we want him to be? Because yes, this is a, a parade of, of celebration but maybe we shouldn't forget that joining this, this parade can be dangerous. Joining this parade, it requires something of us. Many of those on the road behind Jesus would be beaten and tortured for their beliefs. For being willing to stand up to the empire and say, there is, a, there is another way in this world. Some of them would be crucified for giving allegiance to Jesus and not to an empire. Others alongside the road that day, they would, they would turn on Jesus when he didn't turn out to be who they wanted him to be. You see, joining this parade is, a, is an invitation to stand for what Jesus stands for. Not demanding Jesus to be who we want Jesus to be, but, but pledging our allegiance to follow wherever Jesus leads us. Joining this parade, it's an invitation to follow a way that can be difficult to follow in our world. It's, it's an invitation to, to follow a way of love and grace. A way of humility, admitting that we don't have all the answers. A way of peace a way of forgiveness even of one's enemies. Joining this parade is an invitation to stand for what Jesus stands for, sometimes to stand against culture, to stand against the world, sometimes to even sacrifice what we want for the, 
the good of the community and the, the good of the church. When I was on renewal leave, my daughter and I went to see the musical Hades Town. You might not think that title's particularly appropriate for a pastor, um, but uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful musical. Uh, it's, a, it's a Greek tragedy told kind of in a modern-day setting. And uh, there's a character in the story, uh, Eurydice, and she is kind of in the, in the midst of the conflict of the story. She is hungry, and she is tired, and the winds of change have come, and they've blown away everything that she knows, and she is just ready to give up. Life is too hard. And Hades comes and is trying to, trying to encourage her just to give up on life above and to, to just join him in Hades town, which in the Greek myth is the, is the underworld. As she's about to give up, there's this song, and it's sung by three fates. And the fates are kind of this voice through the musical that just, they sort of speak to the world as it is. They speak to, the, to not having any control over the winds of change. And they sing these lines to her in a, in a song called, When the Chips Are Down. And they say this, they say, the first will be first, and the last will be last, Cast your eyes to heaven. Get a knife in the back. And at the moment in the show, when they sang those lines, I almost jumped out of my chair. Like, as a, as a follower of Jesus in the audience, I just wanted to stand up and go, no, like, that's not how the world is. You don't have to buy that line from the fates. Now, my 13-year-old daughter was sitting next to me, and uh, um, I don't know if she felt me shift a little, but she also then shifted in her seat, and I realized at that moment, if I stood up and shouted in a loud Broadway theater, I would be removed, and she would be horrified. So you might be glad to know I did not stand up, or maybe you're sitting there thinking, you should have stood up and said something in that moment, right? Because... This was, an, uh, this was a paraphrase. It was like an obvious twisting of the biblical words. It was a paraphrase and a twisting of the, of the biblical words, and it was just so wrong. I, that's why people give up. Right? People give up because they believe this. Like, this is just the way the world works. The first are first and the last are last. And, and I, I'm either going to give up or I'm going to fall in line with that because that's how our world works. And so I'm going to try and be, be first. We fall in line with that thinking so easily. And I just, I just wanted people to know that's not the way. It's not the way of Jesus. That's not the way the world has to be. So I didn't say anything. I will say this, uh, the, the story is a Greek tragedy. It has, I mean, that line is used with purpose, and then it has a much more, well, it's a tragedy, but it has a more hopeful ending. And as a whole, I loved the production. Yet these words, ever since I've heard them, they've just stuck with me. Maybe because the song is catchy, but more because I think, I do think that's how the world thinks sometimes. 
But you see, the king who enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, on a donkey, will die in the days ahead. For you, and for me, and for all of humanity. He will, in fact, get essentially stabbed in the back by the very people he has come to save. And yet today, we have this invitation to join this parade because we know that that isn't how the story ends. And we know that the allegiance that Jesus invites from us isn't to meet violence with violence, isn't to hate, isn't to think that finishing first is the only goal, isn't to demand allegiance from others. Jesus invites us to know the way, the way to the peace and the hope and the love and the grace that we want as a way of of humility and grace and turning the other cheek. Jesus wants us to know that this is the only way to peace and goodness, his way, God's way. Jesus wants us to know this as a way to hold on to hope in the midst of the brokenness of humanity. I'd really like to ask the authors of Town to rewrite the lines of when the chips are down to say this, the first will be last, and the last will be first. Look up to heaven, to Jesus, and hope will be yours. It won't fit the storyline of Hades Town at all. But maybe that's what we're about as the church today, not fitting in to the storyline of violence or, or hurt or anger or tearing others down in our world. Maybe the very invitation we have today is to create a new story, to enter into this parade, understanding what this parade is all about, bringing another message, entering into the the dangerous and unjust and hurtful places of our world with another message, one of love and grace and hope. Maybe our invitation today is is not to be passers-by, waving palms and hoping Jesus will be who we want Jesus to be, but to join into the parade and wave our palms and, and pronounce this king and then get busy as part of his kingdom walking right on into those places that are unjust and dangerous and hurtful and even full of pain and saying, you know what? We bring a message of hope. So we're going to reenact this Palm Sunday parade today as we do at Clay Church every year. And as we do, I want to invite you to consider a question, a question for your life. Do you want to be a part of this parade? Are you willing to stand for what Jesus stands for? Are you willing to carry a message of love and grace and hope into places of danger and hurt and pain? And if you're ready, let me invite you right now to, to stand up. And usually, uh, usually here at Clay Church, and grab your palm, usually here at Clay Church, Uh, 
we, uh, we cheer on the children as they wave their palms and as they parade through. But I, I just want you to invite you today, you don't have to do this, but I just want to invite you to consider another step. Right? Perhaps today we shouldn't just watch the parade go by. Maybe today you're willing to say, Jesus, I'm going to enter into those hurtful and dangerous and difficult places and bring your message and your hope. And to do that, you're just going to join the kids and follow along and wave your palm. And as we shout our hosannas and, and blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, if you're ready to, to stand, if you're ready to follow where Jesus leads, to stand for what Jesus stands for no matter, no matter the cost or the challenge, let me just invite you to, to step into the parade today. Let's follow the children and sing, let the parade of Jesus begin.